from 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. This is the K1 Podcast. Welcome to the season finale of the K1 Podcast. I'm Kevin Zimmerman, joined by Rudy Carpenter. Um, we've taken a few weeks off here. Holidays got the best of us scheduling-wise. You have good Christmas, all that, Rudy? It was good. Everything was good. Had a lot of family in town, um, but everything was good. So we last podcasted before the Seattle Seahawks game, and obviously that might have been kind of the high point of the season, 27-13 win. Kyler Murray went 11 for 1,818 yards. He threw a touchdown, ran for another 40 yards, um, and then, of course, injured his hamstring in that one. Brett Hundley comes in, gets the Cardinals over the top through the end, and then Kyler comes back. We spend a whole week speculating whether he'll play or not. He does and throws for 325 yards, basically without really running or threatening to run in a loss to the Rams in the season finale. Um, I think those two games kind of played, to me, when you see him go out and lead them to a win over Seattle and then play injured, how much does the injury part play a factor into building his credibility one final time and he played fairly well he had a couple missed throws had a couple picks but does that matter in the locker room and heading into next year and all that yeah I think it does matter I think that's the easy easy uh answers it does matter when you hear Cliff Kingsbury talk about Kyler Murray and you hear him talk about his durability you hear him talk about him playing all 16 games and you hear him talk about playing injured and how that's the best way to earn respect from your teammates I think that Cliff Kingsbury is telling the truth and I think that uh it was important when you hear Larry Fitzgerald talk about Kyler Murray at the end of that football game. You hear him talk about him playing all 16 games, him being accountable to the team, you know, him playing in a game that was really meaningless. He could have sat out that game and, 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 and hid behind the, the fact the organization was trying to protect their number one asset, and he didn't do that. And it's a, it's a good way to earn respect from your teammates. I also think it's good for Kyler Murray because if Kyler Murray's career goes how he wants it to go, he's going to be playing in some big-time playoff football games sometime in the near future and if that's the case he might have to play in some games when he's not a hundred percent or when he's hurt or not feeling um you know really up to it and so it's important for Kyler to prepare himself for those moments like you said the highlight of the season I thought was was week 16 against the Seattle Seahawks up in Seattle they played well enough to win. Obviously, they've, they've seemed to have the Seahawks number up there in, in Seattle. Obviously, Kyler did enough in that game. Brett Hundley came in and secured the win. I thought that was a big thing for Brett Hundley. I'm not 100% sure, but I think Brett Hundley is here on a one-year contract. Yeah. So it does help Brett Hundley's you know, position moving forward to hopefully get re-signed and be the backup quarterback for this team moving on in the future. I know it's important for the continuity you know, of your quarterback. It's also important for the continuity of the quarterback room to have those pieces the same. It's, 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 you want the, the least amount of change in that room as possible. And so um, I thought that win was a big organization or a big win for the organization. It was a big win for Kyler. It was important for Brett Hundley. Um, it was also important for Kyler to get his first division win. And I don't think that's... Um, anything that people should uh, laugh about. It's a serious thing. Also, for Kyler in in Week 17 against the the Los Angeles Rams was also interesting because when they played the Rams before a few weeks back, they played them coming off of a bye week. They got absolutely crushed. It was an embarrassing loss for them. Many of us thought that could have set them up for a possible nine-game losing streak. That didn't happen. Um, 
and a big part of that was Kyler Murray and how he played. They, they went and played the Rams this last week. Kyler lost two fumbles. If you want to put that on him, you can. He had a couple interceptions. If you want to put that on him, you can, obviously. He still threw for over 300 yards. He put up some decent numbers. They played the Los Angeles Rams a lot better this time around, but ultimately the game was really never in doubt. Um, and I think that leads us to the next question, which is how far behind in the NFC West division are the Arizona Cardinals? And there are some people who think they're a lot closer. There are people like me who think that they're a long ways off from competing for a playoff spot and maybe more importantly, competing to be the kings of the NFC West division. Where do you see um, ways that they can quickly kind of at least compete in that? Because the, the, the one positive that they do have is they played every one of those good teams fairly well at certain points. Um, whether they lost two pretty close ones to the 49ers, obviously Seattle went one way and completely another way. Um, the Rams went one way and then went kind of a same kind of deal where they might have been in that last game had they not had those turnovers. I mean, they seem close when they you put them side by side in those games, but... Yeah, but that's how the NFL is designed. Yeah. Most of these games are one-score football games, and the NFL is designed to be that way. When you look at the Arizona Cardinals this year, um, I believe as far as rookie snaps went, they were ranked seventh in the NFL. So there were six teams above them who had rookies play more snaps. All teams that have been, you know, for the most part, losing organizations. Teams that have, you know, perpetually picked high in the draft, and the Arizona Cardinals are right there in that category. But I think when you look at the Arizona Cardinals, they have so many needs. They have a need possibly at safety. They have a need possibly at corner. They have a needed inside linebacker. You can always use defensive line help. You can always use another edge rusher. Um, and then you look at the offensive side, they definitely need offensive line help. They need to figure out what they're going to do with David Johnson. They're going to fi- they got to figure out if they're going to trade him or just cut him. They got to figure out if they're going to be able to re-sign Kenyon Drake. They got to figure out what Larry Fitzgerald's going to do. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? I personally think he's going to be back. Um, Christian Kirk, you got to find a way to stay healthy all season long. You got to find a way to bring Demir Bird, Kashawn Johnson, Hakeem Butler, and Andy Isabella around uh, to make them productive players on this football team. Um, and so you, you have a lot of a lot of questions that need to be that need to be answered, in my opinion, before free agency starts and before the draft comes. So they lock their, themselves into the number eight pick, assuming they stay there. I mean, I don't know how much of the draft you studied, but if you had a, if you just were Steve Kime and you had a guy you liked or two guys you liked at one of each position, would you go wide receiver number one? Would you go offensive tackle, or would you for go me, for me? I'm going from for me. I'm going offensive line. I know okay. it's sexy to go to a skill position to go to a wide receiver, where whether it's a uh, uh, a Jerry Judy or whether it's a CD Lamb, I know people like that, and I and I understand it's sexy. But for me, I'm I'm of the belief that right now, while Kyler Murray's on a rookie deal, while he's young, you have to maximize you have to maximize this time with him, and um, you got to find a way for him to to obviously uh, uh, be successful. And I don't think you're going to be able to do that without protecting him. But I also think you got to find a way to take pressure off of him. And one of the best ways to take pressure off of Kyler Murray, he was your leading passer this year, and he was your second leading rusher. To take pressure off Kyler Murray, I think you can do that by handing the ball off. And so ultimately getting the offensive line solidified and getting the running back position solidified I think is important. This is a wide receiver heavy draft. There are some good offensive linemen in this draft. I think the Cardinals are sitting 
at number eight, which is a position that somebody might want to trade up to take somebody. This is a, a, a position where the Cardinals, if they wanted to, could trade back in the first round, still get the offensive lineman of their choice, and add some draft capital. Yeah, to your point, I mean, from everything I've read and NFL analysts who do draft stuff, you could get that wide receiver number one maybe in the second round or the third round or at least contributors contributors there um the offensive line group is probably not as deep i mean you got andrew thomas is kind of widely regarded um as the top tackle he's from georgia tristan Wirfs from iowa is another guy that might be a reach um but what you just said about trading back is interesting because just looking at who's behind the cardinals jacksonville i mean they have two quarterbacks nick Foles. they paid gardner Minshew. i don't know if he's a franchise guy um and they had a little you know they're sticking with doug marone but you don't know what's going to happen there the browns you never know what's going to happen there we don't know who's going to lead them whether they will like baker mayfield um behind them at 11 is the jets then 12 you got the raiders i think they're probably sticking with Derek carr um 13 colts um there were not great indications out of that camp Uh, i think uh they said the jury's still out I don't know if that was the coach or the GM. That there. was the general manager, Chris yeah. Ballard. He he said that the jury is definitely still out on Jacoby Brissett. He he expects him to be the starter in 2020, but he also said the jury is still out, and that's why they signed a two-year deal with him because they want to try to figure out that position and whether or not he's the long-term answer. Yeah, and the Bucks are at 14, and obviously Bruce Arians had some very interesting comments about, and honest as Bruce Arians is often going to be, about Jameis Winston and whether they could win with another quarterback. So there are just a lot of teams where you don't know whether they would trade up or they would want a quarterback, and there definitely could be a quarterback there still. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa, I don't know if his injury is going to push him back in the draft. I don't know if Justin Herbert's a top 10 prospect there were probably varying scouting reports on him so there's just a lot of discussion that's going to come up on the draft with that pick alone um let's circle back the quarterback situation as is and you mentioned it brett hunley did a nice job um in the times he p- replaced Kyler murray he looked like he knew what he was doing in the preseason um all he played there do you think that you do you do think that he's a guy you want to bring back? I mean, he's probably not going to get a look as a starter elsewhere, I would imagine. I mean, I just can't think of a place he would fit, and I can't think of another backup who has that skill set that would fit so seamlessly playing behind Kyler Murray. Yeah, I think this is the best natural fit for Brett Hundley besides the fact that the offense fits him. Um, the, the style of play is similar. It's an easy transition for the organization to go from Kyler Murray to Brett Hundley. If they needed to, the offense can stay the same. Um, but also, this is Brett Hundley's hometown. He's from here. He's from Chandler. He went to Chandler High School. I'm sure he loves being back in Arizona and living in his hometown. Um, so I'll be interested to see what the Arizona Cardinals do with him at the backup spot. I would actually anticipate that. That spot being, I could see them announcing a contract extension here pretty soon. Yeah. Let's go to running back. Um, obviously, we know David Johnson's situation is not ideal. Cliff said basically we're going to talk about what his future looks like. Um, 
they would love to have Kenyon Drake back, I'm sure. Do you think Kenyon played his way out of being affordable for this team, the way he played down the stretch? Uh, he might have, but at the, at the end of the day, I think we have to remember what Kenyon Drake was traded for. I believe he was traded for a conditional pick, either a fifth or a sixth round pick, and so that shows you, you know, what the Miami Dolphins thought of him, and it shows you you know, really what the rest of the NFL thinks, and they would have, you know, maybe made that trade as well. Some other teams, um, if they knew that was what the value was for him. With that being said, I think the Arizona Cardinals right now are in a bad position with Kenyon Drake. You've you've pretty much already said you've moved on from David Johnson. Chase Edmonds didn't do much for you. Uh, your best player, you know, at the end of the middle to the end of the season on offense this year was Kenyon Drake outside of Kyler Murray and and he's going to be a free agent. With that being said, I don't see Kenyon Drake giving a discount. I don't see Kenyon Drake taking less money to stay here. And I think that puts the Arizona Cardinals in a bad spot. I don't think that Steve Kime, given all the things that he's been through, um, given what has happened with the David Johnson contract and, and how he had a trade for Kenyon Drake, I think this would look horrendous for Steve Kime if he loses Kenyon Drake. And so I think that could lead to them overpaying Kenyon Drake in order for him to stay here. And let's look at the receivers. The last game, I think, pretty much told the entire story of like the talent on this team and the good and the bad. And that's when Demir Bird and Dan Arnold are your top weapons. Um, one of those guys was not even thought as an NFL receiver before this year. The other guy was a waiver pickup midseason. Um, and he comes in and he, like Kenyon Drake, has an instant impact. I think that's good in that cliff can plug in guys guys who get it guys who are making big plays in practice that was the storyline with dan arnold throughout the first or the last few weeks of the season where he just came in made big catches and they were like okay let's install this guy into some packages especially near the goal line and see what he can do um on the other hand that means that guys that he's drafted guys that he signed as free agents or guys like they've given contract extensions to like max williams yep have not panned out so I'm not saying Max hasn't panned out right, as a right. good player. I'm just saying in general, you have guys that you didn't draft. You have guys that you didn't develop. You have guys that you didn't sign. You have guys that, that you're you know, bringing from somebody else's organization or guys you're trading for or guys like Pharaoh Cooper who were here and then you cut and then you brought them back. And yeah. so to me, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be a hater, a hater, but this to me just seems like a, an organization that is, you know, just trying to get through each and every season with no real, you know, long-term plan. Let's go back to Kyler. Um, what was maybe the biggest surprise that, okay, you watch him, you know what he's about in the draft, whether, I mean, we were talking all before this year about whether this gamble will work out, pairing him and Cliff. Okay, it worked out, but what surprised you about it? Well, him? we don't know if it worked out just yet. I mean, okay. I think they had, a, they, you know, they went 5, 10, and 1. You know, and again, I'm not. It's not hating. I think that Cliff did a pretty good job given the circumstances. I think Kyler did, Kyler did a good job given the circumstances, but I just don't ever want to forget that they were five, ten, and one, and that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable in the NFL at any level. It's not acceptable. It shouldn't be acceptable, even if you're coming off a three and thirteen season. But there was signs of of progression and there was some signs of wow maybe this is in the right direction and when you look at kyler murray he was he was a good decision maker this year he was accurate he had mental and physical toughness i thought his poise and composure was really really good um he didn't take many big hits this year he used his legs when he needed to he remained a passer 
A lot of really good tools from Kyler Murray. A lot of really good things he did this year and a lot of good things he can work on and build off of. And I think one of the things they're going to talk about is the turnovers. You know, he didn't, he didn't turn the ball over a ton, but you always want to limit those turnovers. And I think they're going to talk about being better on first and second down and not giving up so many negative plays. Um, I think they're going to want Kyler to put the ball in play more give wide receivers chances to catch and use their uh, you know, their legs for their yak, the yards after the catch. Um, and I think they're going to find a way to try to take as much pressure off of Kyler Murray as they possibly can. Do you, when you read these stats where he's the sixth quarterback ever to surpass 3,500 passing yards, 500 rushing yards, stuff like that, and join these guys who are pretty established NFL quarterbacks, is that significant to you as a quarterback well, like the stats and you know I, I look at something like that and i think it's it's interesting because but that's who kyler murray is yeah that's that, that's who kyler murray was if kyler murray would have came in here and ran for 100 yards and threw for 2500 i think we've all would have been disappointed if he started the entire season so kyler murray throwing for 3500 yards and rushing for 500 yards to me is 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 unbelievable for him it's a really good stat it's a really good number it's something the organization can hang their hat on but i also think for a starting quarterback who was the number one pick in the draft who started all 16 games it's not surprising to me that's what he did did you see like from a schematic standpoint him improve significantly throughout the season do you think there were things that on tape you were like he didn't see this before in week one that he did later on yeah there were some things but I think what stuck out to me most on tape is that uh, about the midway point in the season, you started to see Kyler get frustrated. You started to see him get frustrated with the lack of winning and the lack of execution. You started to see him do what I thought he would do, which is put more on his shoulders, put more on his back, and he was going to try to do more to make up that difference. And when he tried to do that, that's when you saw more negative plays, more interceptions, more loss of yards on running plays where he was running. Um but that's natural, and it's actually something I don't mind seeing because that means he's trying to find answers. It means he's trying to find solutions to problems and not just identify them. It means that that when things do go wrong, he looks internally and says, how can I fix this? And he's a competitive guy. He's a competitor enough to know that he's going to try to do more. And those are all characteristics that I like. Those are all characteristics that I think that or why he got drafted. Now it just becomes you know, about doing an off-season study, doing some self-inventory this year, and, and, and trying to come up with solutions as to why certain things worked and why certain things didn't work, and how can we fix those. So we had that stretch on the 1st of December against the Rams, the 8th uh, week later against the Steelers, where he took a combined 11 sacks, and that's kind of where you were talking about where he's trying to do too much. Um, he had four picks during those two games as well. Last three games, had three interceptions, uh, only took two sacks in those. And, you know, two of the, at least one of those picks in the Rams game was just a bad throw. Um, I think some people were thinking maybe it's just that lower half of the body was just not there and he was lost accuracy out of that. So I think he did revert back to the best parts of what he uh, showed earlier in the year after that rough start. If there's one thing that he has to do to improve what do you think that is or to just 
take his game to the next level, I guess. Yeah, I just think he has to he has to trust the offensive scheme a little bit more when you look at this Kyler Murray at the at the NF, at the college level was used to having wide receivers run wide open all down the field, and when you look at his film, there was a lot of plays he left on the film on the field. There was a lot of opportunities he left on the field, a lot of yardage he left on the field, and he's going to have to understand that in the NFL, when a guy has one on one coverage, that's open, and as a quarterback. You have to learn how to throw those guys open, put the ball in a spot where only he can get it. You have to learn at that level that tight windows are, are you know, that, that is what it is. Very rarely do, the, do you have guys running wide open in the NFL. He has to learn how to trust his pre-snap read, trust his post-snap read, and throw the ball to where the defense is dictating he throw the ball to and not just, you know, predetermine that stuff before the ball is snapped, which he did sometimes this year. He did that sometimes this year based on situation. So if it was third and 10, he was trying to throw a ball past the 10-yard marker um, instead of maybe throwing an underneath route and letting the guy run and go get the first down. Or maybe he doesn't get the first down, but you change field position for a punt early in the game, it matters, right? Um, He would take a sack and hold on to the ball or whatever that may be, right? Um, So I think that's important. I also think it's important to trust the scheme. Trust what the coaches are trying to do. Trust the scheme. Trust the play calling. And and make a decision and put the ball in play and allow the playmakers around you to do what they do. Um, And that's why it's so important for this organization moving forward to bring in guys who can make those plays. We'll see uh, the divisional rivals play in this postseason. Um, Obviously, Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury have a lot of work to do. They're retaining Vance Joseph. We forgot to mention that earlier. I mean, the draft is going to be a thing where they need instant impact guys, basically. And that's defensive depth, that's offensive line, that's receiver. Patrick Peterson, that might have calmed down a little bit. He played better down the stretch. He seemed happy to play under Vance Joseph. We'll see on that. We'll see on David Johnson. This is going to be a crazy offseason. Um do you have any last thoughts on where we're going on this? Nope. It'll be interesting to see what this organization does, both in free agency, in the trade market, um, and then what they do in the draft. It's going to be very interesting. It's a huge, huge, huge offseason for Steve Kahn. And we thank you all for listening. If you've reached this point and listening all season and joining us on the radio, online, wherever you kind of take in Cardinals podcasts, um, I'm Kevin Zimmerman. That's Rudy Carpenter. Thanks again. Thank you.